The Bible lesson for today is written in the 12th chapter of Mark, beginning with verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all of the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and happy new year, everybody. I'm Pastor David White. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm the pastor of spiritual growth here. It's a privilege to be bringing God's word today. And I do pray that God will meet each of us where we're at. I hope you had a good happy new year and a, and a good Christmas. My family enjoyed a special one because it was baby Joanna's very first Christmas. She's six months old and it was a joy to watch her uh, do all the things that Christmas involves, and her older brother and sisters were just loving it. It was so beautiful to watch their joy for their younger sister to see that, and she appropriately ate a lot of presents. You know, that was pretty much what a six-month does, you know, and so Joanna is awesome. Uh, we did a great job of slowing down and really enjoying the Advent season, and, and it was good to focus on Christ throughout all of that. And um, I'm excited to be focusing on Jesus and a fundamental teaching of his with you today that we just heard. We are going to, in January and February, have some time to look through the life of Christ as we move towards Easter. Specifically, on Sundays, you'll be hearing a lot about Jesus' miracles. Today, however, we're going to take a little fast forward to, towards the end of his ministry on earth and see where he uh, is joining the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we're getting closer and closer to the cross and the resurrection. A little context, as you can see from Mark 12, out of 16 chapters in Mark's account— Uh, We are getting closer and closer to that cross and resurrection. And Jesus is interacting uh, with lots of people, and the stakes are rising. Jesus enters to shouts of Hosanna and leaves the city thereafter. He returns to the city the next day and clears the temple, saying, My house is to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. He leaves again, and he and the disciples return again the next day. And here's where this teaching picks up. He is teaching and sharing, but here's how, what starts it all. The teachers, the elders, the, the main leaders of, of the religious leaders at that time, they come and pursue him, trying to trap him in his own words. They try to trap the Savior of the world in his own words. And there's no spoiler alert needed here. As we saw, the end of the passage ends with, and no one dared ask him any more questions. They were not successful in trapping him. In fact, Jesus launches into a whole host of important teachings. And today we get to touch on one foundational one that will be very important for us as we consider 2020. Let's pray and consider this greatest scripture, this greatest commandment. God, thanks so much 
for the opportunity to be together right now. As we seek you and want to follow you together in 2020, would you do what only you can do? Would you meet each person where they are this morning? Would you speak to them in ways that are powerful and that they need? And would you stir us to to action and reflection? Would you stir us to more togetherness uh, in this coming year? In Jesus' name, amen. So he's asked this question by a teacher of the law, whoever hears him teaching, and asked this question, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now this could be quite a question at first glance because there are 613 different statutes in the law that Jesus could have responded with. But there is an expected answer. There is a commonly expected and known answer to this question because pious Jews know that if you hear this question, you are to respond with something that you recite every morning and every evening. And it's known as the Shema. The Shema comes from Deuteronomy 6, and his Hebrew on the left kind of points it out. It starts off with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. God is one. <laughs> and that oneness is really important for what we're going to talk about today. In fact, Jesus really refers to it over and over again. This Shema, this idea of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, Jesus answers the question with the answer, the expected answer. And instead of giving an off-the-wall response, he gives that answer and intrigues the teacher further. And they have a chance to interact even further and those standing by as well. The Shema points us to that, and it has continued to be important to, to Jews throughout the centuries. And even today, you'll see that people roll up a tiny Shema, put it on their doorframe, because what God instructs in Deuteronomy 6 is that we are to love the Lord our God with our whole lives. We're to impress it upon the next generation. We're supposed to talk about it when we sit down, when we, when we stand up, when we walk along the road. Uh, we're supposed to tie it on our foreheads and write it on our hands and put it on our doorposts. Make it unmistakable. Don't miss it that we're supposed to love God with everything we are all the time. And Jesus really welcomes this same kind of following of the Lord with this response. But he does something even next level in a little bit when he offers up Leviticus 19.18 and combines it and says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now the love of God and the love of people and love of others is interwoven. Jesus has brought them together in one beautiful greatest commandment. So Jesus' response is expected, but also somewhat new and, and interesting in that way. But what's extremely important about all of this is that it ties together every aspect of a follower's life into one holistic following of God. And so you've got some notes you can take notes with on today. If you'd like to write in the first blank, we're going to talk about this word together in a couple different ways. And the first way is to think about together as every aspect of our lives joined together and loving and following God. There's no situation, there's no place in the world, there's no challenge that you're going to face in 2020 where God doesn't want to be in your life and every part of it and every place. He wants to walk with you every single element of your life. And he wants us to deeply respond. Just as he is deeply offering to be with us, he wants us to deeply respond with every part of our lives. He doesn't want us to segment any part of it or compartmentalize any of it, but bring it all together under his lordship and following him. And this way of life actually leads to life. When we, don't dis- when we, when we keep things unified instead of apart, it leads to greater life. Maybe you've had an experience in your life where you felt like one area of your life was super disconnected or not under the lordship of Christ, you feel that tension and it rubs on you and it doesn't lead to life. And so we're excited to see this concept of togetherness right in this way that every aspect of our lives would be joined together. 
Jesus takes that next level teaching about the love of God to Leviticus 19.18, also being connected to the love of others. And he also makes this clear that the foundational part of loving God, if we think we can love God without loving others, then we are foundationally off. (laughs) You'll see this throughout Jesus' teaching, that we are to love others as a reflection of our love for God. And we desperately need each other in this way because, man, this is hard to do every day, is it not? This is really challenging to love others in a perfect or holy way. We can't do it, but we need God's guidance and we need him to join our lives together. So you guys know our mission, right? To be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. If you've been around here, you've heard it lots of times. If you're new today, this is what we're all always focused about. And Christ has given this mission to pretty much every church, every church all over the world and every time to be and to make disciples of Jesus and teach them to obey this great commandment, this great commission. Those two get linked. And so Jesus has given this to the church. He has given it to our church as well. And us around here, we are enlivened by this mission. This is passionate for us. This, is, this gives us energy. It gives us focus. We love pe- seeing people come to Christ. We love seeing followers of Jesus learn how to follow Jesus more deeply. Amen? I mean, that is what gives us a heartbeat around here and what we want to drive everything towards. Now, if this was your mission, and it is, what words have to be clearly defined? Wouldn't it make sense that we all have to be on the same page about what each of these words mean? Otherwise, we don't know what we're trying to be and make. So guess which key word I'm really interested in defining clearly right now amongst us? (laughs) Disciple. If we have to know what we're trying to be and we have to know what we're trying to make, otherwise our efforts will be super scattered and super unfocused. And so what an amazing opportunity for us as a church to take this opportunity to become more and more um, developed, more and more understanding in our commonness, our togetherness around a common definition around a common understanding of that word disciple. Now here's where I need your help also on those blanks. You all may have remembered from last year when we did the How to Be Human series and we focused on this portrait of a disciple. We as a church have focused really hard on this Mark 12 passage to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself to give us a portrait of a disciple. Um, Does this look familiar to everybody? Yeah, you can grab one if it's unfamiliar out at the Connect Center later. But help me fill in the blanks. Those of you, if you can remember the blanks that go with each of these categories. So we put some qualifying words in front of each of these to help us flesh out this definition and this picture so we have it in our mind's eye. What comes before hearts? Soft. Thank you. So soft hearts. And what comes before minds? Engaged minds. And then what about hands? Open. Yep. And what about whole? Oh, I gave it to you. Whole spirits, right? So there it is if you need to fill it in on your paper there and take these notes. This is important that we actually all learn this and know how to share it together. If we can share this common language together, it will help propel us to have the same definition of a disciple to know what we are being and making together. Isn't that awesome? It, it, it fires me up. You gotta love words, right? They're so good. And so this helps us know how to be and make disciples. All right, so our mission is that. And we can pursue that together better with this piece. A quick story of how this came to be really fruitful immediately, even months ago when we first began working with Mark 12, is I was meeting with a young man who was wanting to follow Jesus more deeply and keep growing. And he had grown up in the church, but he expressed something to me in one of our meetings that I found really interesting. He came to me and said, hey, David, um, I love serving God, and I feel like I am uh, serving in these three or four areas, and I love it. But when I go home and I'm done serving— I really feel like, I feel guilty. I feel like I should be serving God more. 
And having just worked on this with the staff, I, you know what I said? That question makes me feel like your, your, your conclusion is a little off. You're feeling guilty about serving God, and you just described three really big, meaty ways you're serving God. This feels weird. So what we did is we spent time walking through engaged minds. We thought more and reflected more on open, not open hands, because guess what? Open hands is where he was, right? We talked more about whole spirits and soft hearts. After just 10 or 15 minutes of just kind of thinking about his daily and weekly life of following God through this, these eyes, guess what his reaction was? <sighs> okay, it's right, it's healthier, it's better if I actually spend time with God over here in these other ways and follow God in these other ways and then have that to serve out of with open hands over here out of that. His life and his viewpoint of following God got enriched and well-rounded. He was really leaning into a lopsided definition of discipleship, but now he has a very true and well-rounded feeling. And I was so thankful for him to have that moment. That was a giant next step in a young person's life to say, okay, that's what it looks like to really follow Jesus. And we can do that for each other. You can do that and run your own kind of weekly pattern through uh, that kind of filter. So we have also come up with some... um, some practices that help, help us do that. So now we have this portrait, but what does our week look like? What do our practices look like? It would be very wise of us, just as we define discipleship, to lay out what are the most foundational things that we want to participate in. Have you guys been in this building during the week instead of on Sunday morning? Have you been around here and seen what happens during the whole rest of the week? This building and Mill Run are completely packed with so many amazing activities. Like we do amazing things. God is using us in so many amazing ways. It's exciting. What, what is interesting about all of that is that sometimes we have gotten busy instead of foundational. Does that make sense? Sometimes we get really busy in, in following God and we don't, when we lack some of the most basic things. So this is not the most like, I don't know. When you talk about basics, we don't always get the most fired up, right? But I want to encourage us to get fired up about the basics right now as we begin a new year to think about doing the most important things first. We have practices of a disciple, not only portrait of a disciple, but these practices. Um, So let's think about it this way. Together, we want everyone connected to Christian community, experiencing the care of trusted relationships and the encouragement to grow in Christ. We're in this thing together, so there's some more blanks to fill in there. This idea of practices is right here in this white pamphlet, and you can pick that up. And instead of focusing on um, laying all of them out for you, um, you can pick this up and read them, because I want to focus in on small groups today as a real uh, opportunity for us. This may not be a surprise to you, maybe it is, but getting an actual headcount on how many people consider UALC their home church is pretty tricky. (laughs) Our best count as of now is that about 3,000 people consider UALC their church home, okay? That's a lot of people, is it not? (laughs) Our best count of how many people are in a small group is roughly about 250 or about 275. This is a tremendous opportunity for us heading into the new year to grow more connected and more together as a church in this way. I want this so badly for us as a congregation. Let me describe what I mean by that. (laughs) As a pastor who is set aside as the pastor of spiritual growth, we see people walking in our doors and expressing to us on a regular basis things that they are growing in and things that they are finding extremely challenging in life. 
just in the past couple months alone, if I was to recount to you the people who have come and said, I really am challenged by something that's going on in my marriage right now. I really need help. I'm really challenged in parenting, and I really need help. I, as a kid, am growing up, and I'm trying to become more independent and a grown-up, and it's really hard at times, and here's what I'm dealing with. The amount of weight and opportunity that is there is massive. And the answer cannot be that all the pastors meet with everybody or that Becky Bork handle all the care in our congregation for 3,000 people, right? That just relationally can't work. (laughs) Not for people to receive the real care and the real prayer and the real encouragement to follow Christ. I want so badly for those people who came to us to receive that help. And we help them as much as we can. Oftentimes, they are coming to us late in the game. And guess what could have prevented a lot of the stuff that they are going through? Or guess what could have helped them go through it? A tighter-knit group of, of people that had trusted relationships where they could have prayed for each other and figured out a path forward, who knew them more closely, who knew them really intimately in a way that they could pray together and be encouraged. Care and growth could have been happening differently. Now, we still want people to come and express that to us as pastors. That's great. But what we want to do is allow 3,000 people to feel deeply connected. Amen? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Just imagine for just a minute what it would be like if hundreds, let alone thousands of people, came to know Christ more deeply and also felt more connected to their local church. Couldn't that make an immense difference in in Upper Arlington, in Hilliard, in Dublin, all over this community? Wouldn't that be powerful? The power of God at work could be grown in many, many ways. And I'm so wanting this for us and so excited about it. I'm I'm glad (laughs) that we have a chance to reprioritize something that has been a foundation of our church for many years, which is small groups. And so we're going to offer up um, an opportunity in January to sign up. January 19th will be Sign Up Sunday. Now, right now, we're leading into that, and we've been working with Tammy here at Lytham as our uh, director of small groups here, and our director of, of small groups at Mill Run is Peggy Bronson. Tammy, uh, Tammy here is, Tammy Schuster is ready um, to hear from anybody today who wants to be a facilitator or a host. Those would be great things to take advantage of as we set up and prepare, because here's what we want to do, at least as a starting point, is we would love to see God give us 40 new groups that can connect at least 400 new people. That would be a great start in the right direction of us becoming more together like this, everyone connected and being known and knowing others, being loved, being loved for, being cared, being cared for. All these things are important, and we need it. So I would encourage you to consider facilitating our hosting It's not a heavy burden because the focus of our small groups will be much around the sermon-based content. So facilitating is not a a heavy burden. And if you get with Tammy, we can equip you to lead or to host. So these practices, again, um, are right here for us. Sundays in time with God, within worship, grow, and serve. We have Sundays in time with God. We have growth workshops and small groups. And we have mission partners and missional living. And so I'd encourage us to keep leaning into all of these as foundations for all of us. And when Pastor Steve reorganized our staff a bit in this past year, he put Joe here as a campus pastor and Brody as a campus pastor over there. And he expanded uh, my role a little bit as the uh, pastor of spiritual growth. Before it was birth to college, but now we're focused on cohesive discipleship across all ages. And it's exciting to have Pastor Jeff and Tammy and Peggy as part of this bigger team where Kelsey in middle school and Andrea and children's, all of us are sitting at the same table and the synergy of this is exciting for our church of how it's growing. So we can't wait to see what God will do and bring more good fruit through this work. 
So I want to just encourage us to pursue more togetherness in this coming year. This is a big deal for what it can mean for our church. It's a big deal for what it can mean for you individually and everybody here. So I want to be both bold and graceful and just encouraging us to go back to these basics. Bold in the sense to say, hey, this is an open season for all of us to re-engage in this. And graceful to know that we all have different steps that we're taking and growing with Christ. Jesus really pointed it out in this, um, in this greatest uh, commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I've seen the power of small groups come back time and time again in my life. As a young adult, my wife and I, uh, our first adventure after being married was to move out to Washington, (laughs) D.C. And it was really cool. It was a fun adventure, but we didn't know anybody. (laughs) And so we joined a church, and we quickly found a small group where we could get to know some people better. Now, when you're a young adult and you're living in a small apartment, if you have 10 more square feet than the other person, then you get to host small group. So... We ended up getting to host small group for a number of years, and that was a cool blessing for us. We got a chance to get to know some people really well, and we were even open to just welcoming other people who were getting part of our church. One of these ladies' name um, was Angelique, and she grew up in a Thai family that didn't know Jesus and didn't really follow, and she was coming more as kind of a blank slate to Christianity. And she joined our group, and for a year and a half, she asked questions and questions and questions. And when we took communion, she would always rightfully so pass on communion because she had not received Jesus. She she wasn't sure yet she wanted to follow Jesus with her life. Now, it was a beautiful day when we went to church together and we're sitting next to her and she takes takes communion. (laughs) She had not announced this to any of us, but she took communion. And afterwards, you can imagine all of us were like, wait a minute, Angelique, what happened? (laughs) And of course, yes, she had received Christ and was now following and she wanted to keep growing in that. And our group was, was used by God in this way to see her grow. It was so beautiful. And when we moved back to Dayton, where we grew up, we had a chance to live uh, in a small group with other parents who were new parents like us. And it was a beautiful thing to teach each other and encourage each other about how to help our children grow up in the faith. And most recently here at UALC, it has been very um, substantially meaningful to us to be in a small group for a couple key reasons. One of them, when you go back to parenting a baby, that support from a small group was awesome. (laughs) I'm very grateful for our small group and how they have upheld us and prayed for us. But even throughout the last six years, my wife, Amanda, her sister Trina has been suffering from cancer. And she recently passed away just after Thanksgiving. And so the support that we had from our small group to pray of how to minister to Trina during these past six years has been awesome. But even more so, the the church in Dayton did something really beautiful. Trina lived in Texas for a lot of years, for most of her adult life. And over time, she slowly became disconnected from her faith and from, from the church. When she got back to Dayton and started being cared for more physically, guess what the church did as well there? Giant bear hug. <laughs> she became reconnected to Jesus in ways that she absolutely needed. She absolutely was reconnected to Jesus to walk through those last two years, those last couple days of life. And I'm so grateful for the power of Christian community. We all need this. Our church needs this. And so I want to pray this prayer from John chapter 17 that are Jesus' words for us. I want to pray this for us as we conclude. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, God, for loving us and for caring for us. God, would you grow us more together in 2020? 
God, you said this, Jesus, you said this. You prayed for your disciples, but you prayed for future believers like us too. You said, my prayer is not for them alone, not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me and that they may be one as we are one, in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. May it be so here amongst us, Lord. Give us that unity. Give us that togetherness in this new year. In Jesus' name, and all said, amen.